Welcome to Book Clips, a mini-podcast where authors share a reading from their novels, part of the Lesbian Review, and broadcast on the lesbiantalkshow.com. The Lesbian Review brings you only the best in lesbian fiction. Hi, this is Lee Winter. I'm going to be reading from Chapter 1 of Requiem from Immortals. Natalia Svetlenko glanced around the packed concert hall, seeking one face among many. The July mid-year launch of the Victorian Philharmonic Orchestra's program was taking place on an unseasonably warm night and had attracted the who's who of Melbourne's cultural elite. And, much to her satisfaction, it had lured in a particular reclusive chemical engineer. Uli Busch was an enormous man. The CEO of a German corporation, Biochem Farming Solutions, used a polished silver cane to walk and wheezed with every step. His sway was exaggerated owing to two knee replacements and, so rumour had it, a once badly broken back. Natalia drew her gaze back to her sheet music, listening intently for the end of the movement. She lifted her bow, placing it precisely, and drew a deep, guttural growl from her cello. Four minutes, twelve seconds later, she paused as the lead violinist began her solo. Her gaze drifted back to Bush's ruddy face. One might think him would be an exceptionally easy target to erase from the mortal coil. Natalia knew better. It wasn't that he really left his luxury yacht, which was moored in a different location each day. Natalia had a well-placed insider within Victoria's close-knit yachting fraternity. She already knew what he had for breakfast. Nine sausages, four buttered brochin, and a black coffee. How often he washed his 4XL Y-fronts? Not often enough. And which high-class escorts he preferred? Sasha on Fridays, random redheads on weekends. No, it was his bodyguards, a quartet of mean-eyed ex-Mossed agents who had been so ruthlessly trained that everyone in her business gave them a wide berth. Facing just one of these vicious rot-wheelers would be testing. But four? Well, she did enjoy a challenge. At least her lethal alter ego certainly did. Natalia had seen a lot of Bush over the years. The billionaire happened to be a devoted classical music fan. His collection of official live recordings was reputed to be the finest anywhere. Every major orchestra in the world had been graced with his imposing presence at least once every season. His need for bodyguards had a lot to do with how Bush made his money. He liked to bulk buy any pesticide outlawed by a country for next to nothing. Sometimes, instead of purchasing it, they would pay him to destroy it. Instead, he would on-sell it to Western countries which hadn't yet implemented the bans Europe had, or poorer nations susceptible to bribery. When things got too hot, such as biochem being linked to too many birth defects or farm worker deaths, he'd move on to the next unwitting nation, rinse and repeat. At the moment, Bush's obnoxiously named yacht, Breakin' Wind, was moored off Victoria, which meant he was busy selling his toxic wares to Australians. And that, in turn, explained why Requiem now had a wealthy Australian client with a farmer brother who was on life support after he'd tested Biochem's newest pesticide. The client needed Bush to know exactly what his brother had endured. He had sought out Requiem because two previous assassins had met ends too grisly to be explained to their loved ones. The client had learned a valuable lesson about settling for less than the best. She had already anticipated this and had prepared accordingly. Bush, Natalia knew, had a special fondness for Tchaikovsky, which was the Victorian Philharmonic's theme for its new season, a theme Natalia had casually suggested four months ago when she'd heard of the second assassin's failure. If she'd been wrong about the client likely approaching her, it hardly mattered. She liked Tchaikovsky well enough to play him all season. Natalia snatched glimpses of Bush in the VIP box throughout the rest of the concert, his beefy hand mopping his brow with a white handkerchief. She rose with the rest of the orchestra as they duly marked their respect for the composer, taking in the ecstatic applause. Normally, Natalia would be on a high from performing. Tonight, though, she was in a rare and uncomfortable position. She was mixing business with pleasure for the first time. The question remained, which was the business and which the pleasure? In her 24 years of dual careers, she had never found an answer for that. Each had highs that were unmatched. She packed up her cello. 
nodded to her colleagues who were buzzing about the after-party and then asked the VPO security guard to lock her instrument away for a few hours. She reached for a glossy black handbag she had prepared for the occasion. Natalia removed from it her MP3 player, pressed play, inserted the earpieces, and slowly walked the two blocks to the VIP after-party. With each step, as Arvo Part emptied her mind, she shed Natalia Svetnenko and became Requiem. Her eyes focused, her expression flattened out to neutral. Her mind replayed over and over what she had to do, sharpening, homing in on the most dangerous aspect, the last 30 seconds before Ulai Bush would be taking his final breath. She would kill one of the most protected men on earth in front of his vicious lapdogs and no one would say a word. Bush would probably smile at her, never knowing he'd heard his last Tchaikovsky. Pedestrians stepped away from Requiem as they neared her. She was peripherally aware of them but did not make eye contact. No better than cattle. Slow, blinkered, weak, telegraphing their every move. She did not even consider herself to be a member of the same species. Calmness settled over her and her movements became liquid as she smoothed out any errant thoughts. A block from the venue, she stopped at a bench, removed her earphones and sifted through her bag. She pulled out a small pearl ring from a protective box and positioned it on her left middle finger. Sliding the bag back over her shoulder, she resumed walking. The after-party was taking place at Nova, a spacious modern inner-city nightclub supposedly the hottest it spot in town this month. It was the closest place to the VPO that could easily handle the swell of 400 dignitaries expected tonight. Nova was wedged between a kebab shop and an Italian restaurant and had a rabbit's warren of rarely used back alleys behind it. Only the street cleaners knew where this tight tangle of back streets went, and few people ever had a need to use them. At night the darkened area was silent, save only for the faint rumble of traffic from the main road beyond. Not so at Nova. The theme inside the club tonight was Phantom of the Opera, and Requiem had to admire the work that had gone into the decorations, even though it seemed a baffling choice for a Tchaikovsky season. She supposed the party planner's limited imagination on musical themes could only extend to the populist. Either that or long-dead Russian composers were considered too uncool. Ghostly white masks hung from fishing wire at different heights from the ceiling. Waitresses swished by with smoking cocktails as the music thumped around them. The venue's corners were as dark as tar, giving ready hiding places to those who might need them. She would have to be exceptionally careful. Bush stuck to drinks supplied by his bodyguards. Wise, especially given several assassins over the years had attempted to get to him through his food or drink. She sneered. How unoriginal. Far too easy to anticipate. The German usually stayed at these things for four or five drinks, no more. Requiem picked her position and never took her gaze off his face. Waiting. Why, Natalia, a perky voice said beside her. What a lovely ring. I've never seen it before. Wherever did you get it? Requiem snapped her head around, schooling her features into a pleasant mask. Amanda Marks first violinist, high priestess of the social media crowd and her adoring arts lovies. She glanced at her ring and back at Marks. An associate, Requiem answered honestly, who wished me well. She shot her a thin smile. Oh. Amanda pouted. She probably hoped the story came with salacious romance. The irritant opened her mouth to ask more, but Requiem had at last spotted her cue. Bush grunted, muttered something to his closest bodyguard and eased his thick jacket off his shoulders. Behind him stood a man with sharp eyes who took it. Showtime. Do you, Amanda began. Requiem waved towards her ear, feigning being unable to hear over the music, which had turned into some not even slightly music techno mess. She stalked away, letting the violinist get back to her adoring groupies, who are far too old and immaculately dressed to be asking for selfies, not that it stopped them. As she left them, her gaze fell on one woman in her early to mid-thirties with brown hair and fine features. This one was watching everything with an awed expression, as though she didn't get out much. Since she was within the periphery of Marx's posse, the woman's judgment was clearly flawed. Suddenly the mousy creature turned and their eyes met. Then, equally suddenly, she smiled at Requiem, for no reason whatsoever. 
Requiem paused in surprise. What had possessed the woman? Did she just randomly smile at strangers? Was this another of those maddening, socially expected female things? Requiem dismissed her and strode onwards towards her goal. She forced herself not to quicken her pace. She headed into a darkened area lit only by a green fire escape exit sign. Requiem looked around. Nothing but a deserted, dead-end corridor vibrating faintly with the background thump of the non-music from three rooms over. Still in the filmy, long, black evening dress she had performed in, she dropped easily to a crouch. She turned her hand face up, rotated her pearl ring, and gently unscrewed the hollow bauble, leaving only a flat, round base with a tiny threaded ridge. In the centre, jutting up from this base, was the thinnest needle that money could buy, almost invisible to the human eye, and no longer than two grains of rice. Such needle nibs were remarkably easy to acquire. One only needed to find a pharmacy selling diabetic supplies. Taking a deep breath, she reached into her bag, opened a small vacuum-sealed container, and gently rolled a gel capsule onto the floor. It was the size of a pill, but its contents, a small amount of liquid, were anything but medicinal. Requiem flipped her hand and lowered the tiny spike until it pierced the capsule's thin skin. She wiggled her hand slightly, ensuring the tip was liberally coated by the liquid within. She reached for the tweezers in her bag and with painful slowness pulled the gel pill from the wet needle tip. She dropped the tweezers and the pearl bauble back into her bag. Requiem rose, cautiously keeping her hand face down as though she were about to pat a dog. She kicked the gel pill into a gap in the old timber floorboards. As she walked back to the party and made her way to her conductor, Anthony Lyman, she was careful to avoid any jostles. At least it looked like she was headed towards Lyman. As it happened, he was talking to Bush. The sharp scent of the German's perspiration filled her senses. Four suspicious ex-Mossad agents snapped their gazes towards her to assess the possibility of threat. They relaxed when the conductor waved her over and introduced her as his prodigiously talented cellist. He did this condescending routine over the VPO's women every time he had a VIP to impress. For once, she didn't mind. It suited her purposes. Now, Natalia, Lyman continued, have you met Mr. Bush yet? Mr. Bush, Natalia Svetlenko. The hopeful look in his eye told her he was desperate to bail on the man. Her nostrils twitched at the steep body odour and she understood only too well Lyman's eagerness. No, we haven't met. She smiled and held out a hand to shake Bush's. It's an honour. Well, I must mingle, Lyman said hastily and scuttled away. Requiem ignored him, focusing her entire being on this moment. Blood rushed in her ears. Her heart thumped faster. She controlled her breathing and a soothing coolness settled over her. Bush shook her hand firmly, his sweaty, meaty grip engulfing her fingers. She smiled again, hiding her revulsion, and casually brought her left hand up under the fleshy forearm of the hand shaking hers, presidential style, and then pressed firmly. The needle pushing into his flesh from her ring was so fine it was highly unlikely he felt it. She exhaled slowly as Bush merely smiled benevolently at her and started to talk. Your favourite composer, Bush asked, pinning her with a stare. Who is this? Why is he this? She carefully lowered both hands, acutely aware of the position of the lethal needle nib, and studied his white sleeve. There was about a 30% chance of a telltale prick of blood being left behind as the needle withdrew. No red spot appeared. Avo part, Requiem replied, satisfied. A modern composer who fills the soul that is empty, and empties the soul that is full. He looked at her, clearly startled by her answer. She gave him another smile, mentally ticking away how many seconds the toxin had been pumping around his system, doing its damage. It was the most fast-acting poison known to man. It was completely natural, but, unlike a snake or spider bite, there was no cure. A single drop could kill ten men. Very soon, Ulai Bush's breathing would become impaired. A little after that, the mere act of inhaling would start to feel impossible. By the time he fell to the floor, 
twitching what might look like a seizure, his entire diaphragm would stop rising and falling with a paralysis that forced a person to hold his breath forever. That's when the terror would strike, and, if she calculated correctly, it would be exactly what a young farmer on a wheat station felt when he too discovered he could no longer draw breath. The panic at not knowing what was happening, the horror of wondering if this was his last moment. Biochem's CEO was moments away from becoming intimately acquainted with his victim's pain. Bush turned, bucking for his men to provide him more wine. He turned back, mouth opening, most likely to offer her a drink, but Requiem was already slipping away. Steadily she walked, ignoring the greetings of other orchestra members as she disappeared into the remote fire exit passage. Requiem gingerly reattached the pearl bauble over the deadly needle, then slid the ring off, put it in the container, and sealed it. Under the light of the neon green exit sign, she dropped it in her bag and then rapidly dressed herself in leathers, boots, and gloves. She had tested the fire exit two nights ago for an alarm. There wasn't one. She eased the door open, slung her bag over her shoulder, and slipped out into the darkness. Halfway down the fire escape, she heard the first shout for an ambulance. Good luck. Bush would be already dead before it arrived, possibly before they even placed the call. When they examined his body, they would see no entry wounds. She navigated the twists and turns of the back alley to find her Ninja H2 motorcycle waiting for her, crouched beneath a lone security light. The moss starting all around provided a mottled lighting effect to the area, nature's own mirror ball. She'd planned ahead with a Ninja... If Bush's rotwheelers actually got a clue, she would need a demon of a machine which topped 400 kilometres an hour, even if they didn't catch on. Requiem, unlike Natalia, travelled no other way. She stowed her bag in a small custom compartment at the rear of the motorbike, slid onto the seat and settled. By rote, she reached for her MP3 player. Her maestro would strip away any mess from her mind, tucking away any unschooled thoughts like errant hairs behind an ear, and ground her. As she lifted her helmet, she saw it. The faintest movement glinted in the shine of the helmet's glossy black paint. Requiem reacted instantly, diving from her bike and rolling away just as a figure in freefall dropped from a drainpipe and landed lightly a foot away. You've been listening to Book Clips by The Lesbian Review, broadcast on The Lesbian Talk Show. For more information on this book and author, check out our show notes. You can also email us on podcast at thelesbiantalkshow.com with any questions, information, or if you have a particular book that you want us to showcase.